I think it's time for us to start viewing businesses not just as profit generators, but as sensitive ecosystems for the collective generation of value. Welcome to the Wait and Speak podcast. I'm your host, Rukwir Wait. Today's topic is ethics and COVID-19, how to be good at the end of the world. I had the pleasure of speaking to Skalk Engelbrecht. Skalk is an ethicist, the chief ethics officer at KPMG in South Africa, and a student of philosophy. He is responsible for KPMG's internal ethics program and assists client companies to identify ethics risks, develop codes of ethics, design ethics management programs, and facilitate ethics training. Skalk is also a research associate with the Center for Applied Ethics at Stellenbosch University. In 2010, he completed his PhD in philosophy with the thesis on the need to revive utopian thinking in an anti-utopian age. He has presented papers at national and international conferences on topics that include radical business ethics, the problem of the commons in organizations, and ethics and utopian thinking. He has published in academic and popular journals and has been an invited speaker at conferences and provincial anti-corruption events. Before joining KPMG, Skalk lectured philosophy and ethics at the University of Stellenbosch and Northwest University. He has lectured business ethics as part of the University of Stellenbosch Business School's MBA program and was the previous editor-in-chief of the African Journal of Business Ethics. And without further ado, here's the interview. Skalk, welcome to the Wait and Speak podcast. Thank you, Rekwee. Thank you for inviting me. I look forward to our discussion. Me too, definitely. Skalk, um, so uh, to set us off, um, it seems the paradigm of moral dilemmas we face have been amplified uh, to the extent of examples you typically find in an ethics 101 course. Um, has the COVID-19 pandemic changed what it means to be good, to do the right thing, or to be a virtuous human being? Thanks, Rekweer. I... Um... My view, I've argued elsewhere, my view is it hasn't changed what it means to be ethical. The framework for being ethical is still the same, but it has changed the the content um, of what it means to be ethical. Maybe I can I can give you a bit of an overview of what the framework of ethics is, if that's if that's okay. Yes, please do. Okay. So 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 very briefly, I mean ethics can change over time, right? We know that in the mm-hmm. Victorian era. To be a virtuous person might have meant not to be promiscuous. In the era of climate change, being virtuous might not have to do with your sexual behavior, but with your culinary behavior. What do you eat? How much do you travel? Do you recycle? So, so the content of our, of our moral imperatives might change with circumstances, but the framework is the same. And in short, what ethics is, is, is ethics, and I'm stealing here from a guy called Peter Sloterdijk, Peter Sotterdijk says ethics is the is the rules of the human zoo, and um, it's it's really our standards of of behaviour when we interact with um, one another, and and if I say that the framework hasn't changed, then in philosophy at least we have three let's say big ideas about what ethics means. First of all, mm-hmm. you can think of ethics as doing your duty. This is called deontology or duty ethics, and it basically says you shouldn't lie, you should keep your promises, we should do our duties. A second big idea in ethics is that ethics is not about duty, it's about happiness or utility. We call this consequentialism or utilitarianism, and that says you should live in a way that you increase the quantum of happiness in the world. Your being in the world should make people on aggregate more happy 
than unhappy or at least your decisions. So you shouldn't hurt people by driving recklessly. You shouldn't tell racist jokes. So you shouldn't harm other people. But if at all possible, you should actually make people's lives better by helping people in need or donating to charity. That's the second big idea. Duty, mm-hmm. first, then happiness. And our third one, this is actually my favorite, but I'm saying too much, is that ethics is not necessarily about duty or happiness, but about character. Um, ethics is about mm. um, cultivating traits of character or dispositions that help you live a good life. And for instance, uh, you, you can you can apply this to specific roles in society or you can apply it to people in general. But for instance, an accountant, to be a good or virtuous accountant, you must have the disposition for honesty, for accuracy and for professional skepticism. And to be a good human, you want to maybe cultivate the 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 virtues of of, of courage or of justice um, for instance so those are the big ideas there are other ideas in ethics for instance there are two that i also quite like that says ethics is about the quality of our relationships there you have the ethics of care and the ethic of ubuntu but the three big ones is duty happiness and character and those things have stayed the Mm. same during COVID 19 and i think Today, we're in day 56 of lockdown. That that stuff has stayed the same, but maybe the content has changed. And let me just give you three examples. For instance, mm-hmm. what are our duties now? In the UK, we saw some retired healthcare workers felt it was their duty to volunteer to return to service to fight the pandemic. So that's a new kind of, of duty. From a happiness or consequence perspective, in the past, we would have said doing no harm means making sure you're sober when you drive. But today, doing no harm means wearing a mask when you go for your morning run or when you go shopping. Mm. Um, and go- being a good person, I think during the, the content of being a good or a virtuous person during uh, lockdown or during this pandemic might mean cultivating this virtue of generosity. We're seeing a lot of that, that people give to the South African Solidarity Fund um, uh, give mm-hmm. uh, give a third of their salary, for instance. Or it might just mean the virtue of self-discipline, eating healthily while you're in lockdown, being patient with your family, um, working diligently even though you're not at the office. So, so in, in summary, I think the, the framework is still the same, but maybe the, um, the content has just changed a bit. I'll return mm. to it later, but, but, I, but, I, but I'm hoping... That, that some of the content shifts our focus in the long run. I'm hoping that the pandemic shows us that certain of our moral ideas should ref- should receive more more attention than others. Um, but but we can return to that later. Mm. No, very interesting. I think something that stood out for me, um, you know, in mentioning those frameworks is is the context. You know, what what is your context? You gave very good examples of how how things change in different contexts. Um, and the utilitarianism example you may, uh, you mentioned about happiness is quite interesting to me um, with my background in economics. Um, but of course, I think these frameworks are also not absolute. Um, and I think it's about how can you look at different aspects from these frameworks and then um, how can that 
guide you in terms of, of, of ethical decision making. And I really like the, the last one you mentioned, um, focusing on character. Um, and there's a, there's a book by Ray Dalio called uh, Principles. I think that speaks to it as well as kind of having, having certain principles. What are your principles that guide you in life and when you make decisions? So um, that's, that's quite interesting. Um, so we've, we've mentioned the amplified moral dilemmas, and, and I think you've given us some good examples. Um, how does uh, our new context then, or what does our new context mean um, in terms of being good in the broader moral, in terms of broader, um, broader uh, moral psychology? Obviously, um, you've made, made good examples of positive behavior and, and choices, but then we also saw people panicking with at the start of lockdown, uh, panic buying. Um, so I guess um, th there's this gray area um, and you also see, see unfortunately, um, behavior that's an, on the other spectrum um, of, 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 you know, the ethical framework. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you were talking about um, dilemmas. You're talking about um, you're talking about moral psychology. I think during the the during this time of lockdown and during the pandemic, we're we're finding kind of new moral dilemmas people are being faced with. So, um, you know, in ethics courses, when we when we when we when we teach people on ethics, we like to put them in moral dilemmas to demonstrate what ethics means, to demonstrate uh, our motivations for, for, for ethics and our reasoning with ethics. Um, but maybe very briefly, what is a moral dilemma? Uh, a moral dilemma, I, I, I think, is when we don't really know what the right thing is to do or whatever we do will be wrong. A kind of formal definition of a moral dilemma is when there is good moral reasons to do something and not to do something. Um, and I think COVID-19 kind of amplifies these moral dilemmas that we find ourselves in. Um, should I give you examples of that now, or would you like me to talk about the uh, moral psychology? Um, maybe give some examples and, and then move on to the to moral psychology, because I'm, I'm maybe running ahead of myself, but I think... Um, what what you're speaking to also links to the corporate world, um, you know how 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 employers behave in this time, and and not just from an employer perspective, but I guess from a business perspective, how you adjust your business behavior or your, or your business model. Are you going to increase prices, um, for example, for face masks? If you're a producer of face masks, do you now exploit this situation and raise prices, or do you stand back and say no, this is a social good? I'm going to be reasonable in my pricing. So I think um, I'm running ahead now, yeah. asking a bundle of questions, but perhaps go into the examples and then extend it into, you know, more the kind of the implications for corporates and how corporates need to think about their, their behavior in society. Okay. Uh, thanks, Rikud. I think I'll, I'll try and answer in, in three phases. I'll, I'll talk about some of the dilemmas, then I'll talk about moral psychology, and then I'll extend that to the corporate world. So on the moral dilemmas, as I said, a moral dilemma, there's good reason to do something and not to do something. What do we see during um, um, COVID-19? Um, two examples that's, uh, that's been discussed quite a bit. Um, is the one is the use of scarce medical resources. 
So mm-hmm. if, a, if a younger and an older patient both need an ICU bed, and we heard yesterday that South Africa, the projection, so we don't have enough ICU beds and ventilators is the other thing. If you have an older and a younger patient, both of them need an ICU bed and a ventilator, who gets it? Does the person that's more sick get it or does the person that's more likely to respond to posit- positively to treatment get it? And in the medical fraternity, I'm going back to our frameworks, medical fraternity are kind of consequentialist. We try to use our scarce resources to maximize utility. So you treat the person most likely to benefit from the treatment. If both are equally likely to benefit from the treatment, the utilitarian will also say, well, choose the younger person because they have more life. There's more utility in saving their life. So that's one. So I was just saying on the second one, there's this. uh, So the first one is the use of scarce resources in healthcare. But a second kind of dilemma is for the politicians to decide, do we maintain or lift the lockdown? And that's the choice between intense suffering for a smaller group or protected despair for a larger group. And I I thought that Pitner Deer from Stellenbosch Business School um, put it nicely when he said it's it's the choice between biological and economic life. Yes. So, maybe, so maybe that's uh, that's on moral dilemmas and how COVID-19 is bringing these classroom moral dilemmas to real life and causing some uh, some moral distress. Because whatever you choose in a situation like that, you will there's good reason to do it and not to do it, and there will be negative effects of whichever choice you make. Maybe mm. bringing that to moral psychology, how do we respond in situations like this? I think what the, what, the, what the pandemic is also teaching us is that on the one hand, we're a lot better than we thought we were. Um, we like to think, I think sometimes in economics, sometimes in psychology, we like to think of people as innately selfish, self-interested, that we that we that we act in our own best interest and to the expense of others. Um, um, Freud said, um, uh, "Man is to man a wolf, homo homini lupus." Um, and and mm-hmm. and we know from our religious context that we think of of, of people as as innately sinful. Um, but but actually, what what this pandemic is showing us is this idea of kind of the goodwill is that we have this immense capacity to do good things. And, I mean, we've seen a lot of Mm. examples. I've mentioned the retired healthcare workers that go back, volunteer to go back to to work um, at great peril to themselves. And there are people volunteering to distribute food. We've seen distilleries turned into producers of hand sanitizer. We've seen restaurants turned into soup kitchens. We've seen orchestras who collectively perform symphonies from seclusion. Each musician in their mm. own homes together making this symphony just to to bring relief to to people. That I think is what it's called. Yes. Yeah. Well, sorry, I'm not interrupting. No, um, I, I think it's a it's an important point that you raised now. Um, if if you link it back to utilitarianism and and maximizing happiness, um, it's also true, and and it's really good to see it that I think people also derive happiness from doing good and helping others um and and i think that's something positive but but sorry i interrupted you midway no no that's a that's a great point to make i mean when we get to corporates i'll say the same thing what i find is people go through a bit of um lockdown cabin fever and i mean there's been a 
giant concern with the mental health of people while they're in lockdown. And and actually one of the one of the one of the cures, one of the antidotes is not focusing on yourself, focusing on other people. Um so 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 there's a not that that should be our motivation for helping other people. Um no. but there are benefits in 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 in, in fact, if you go character virtue ethics, I mean, the, Aristotle, who's the father of virtue ethics, he says uh, um, cultivating a good character um, helps us flourish, but that flourishing also has an idea of happiness. Uh, it's I almost want to say that happiness is a byproduct of 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 moral excellence. But okay. Um, so, so what I'm saying is there's these great examples and we, we see that we're actually better than we think we are. And this is what Kant calls the, the good world that shines like a jewel and it has full worth in itself. But what we've also seen, we're still busy with moral psychology, is that our circumstances sometimes and unfortunately predictably makes us selfish or self-centered. So we've seen people stockpiling. We've pe seen people insisting on their right to endanger their health if they want to. Um, in the U.S., we've actually seen armed protests against lockdown from people that don't understand that it's not only their own health, but they might infect other people that are less that are more vulnerable to the virus than them and it's not only on individual level as you've mentioned businesses hike prices and we've seen stockpiling and bickering between states in the in in the united states of america but also between provinces in south africa i don't know if you've been following but there's a lot of criticism against the western cape there's really a a, a political fight that that we're fighting on uh on a on a healthcare basis that on the other hand of the goodwill is what i call the situationist or what others have called the situationist challenge to ethics that maybe it's not just our characters that predict our behavior but maybe even good people will do um, bad things if the situation um, uh, if the situation is i almost want to say right in the wrong circumstances mm. we all become selfish and unethical Again, it links what we said at the start, the context um, that, that is so important. Yes. yes. Um, and, and maybe just then to get to the third thing you mentioned, Rekwir, and that's the, so what does this mean for businesses? And the same with individuals. Uh, like, like an individual can, 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 can deal with, with, with lockdown and with the pandemic by, by focusing on other people, the same maybe goes for businesses. So, 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 just a couple of things I think of when I think of businesses here is, is first of all, there's there's the risk, the, the pandemic brings the risk of going into a survival mode and suspending ethics. It's 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 all about survival, um, and when kind of the the lifeboat ethics, you throw everyone off you need to throw off in order for you to survive. Um, but that that kind of idea, I think, is not sustainable, and in the long run, it 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 wouldn't be good either. There, there's even, as you've mentioned, opportunism where 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 either people hike prices or we see the collapse of competitors as some kind of a victory. Um, mm. My my view is three things on corporates. First, what this pandemic show us should show us is that businesses are sensitive ecosystems, just like every person. Mm. Um, Kim Stanley Robinson, the sci-fi writer, recently said, we are societies in societies, individuals, but also businesses. 
business has employees that they have to keep safe and that they have to keep sane. Um, it has suppliers that rely on on them. If 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 and and I mean I, I being in a in a in a corporation myself, I. I realized what we think is we hope that we don't lose clients. We hope that clients keep on paying us. But but if we think of that consistently, you should be thinking, am I still um am I still um paying my suppliers? Um am I mm. thinking of throwing out my contractors first, for instance? So I that value chain. Exactly the whole value chain. Um so, so from that point of view, I think it's time for us to start viewing businesses not just as profit generators, but as sensitive ecosystems for the collective generation of value. I think that's maybe one of the, the pandemic is showing us these business things are not just vehicles for making us rich. It's where we get our employment. It's where we get our sense of worth. And it's where we get our livelihoods. And, and it's, it's a sensitive ecosystem. Um, I also think that businesses, so just two more things on corporates, businesses, this is also kind of an opportunity to demonstrate your trustworthiness and your innovation. To what extent yes. have businesses adapted to this new way of working? And a lot of businesses have become extremely um, um, innovative in the way that they deliver their their services in in. Um, I'm just thinking of the amount of training that still that still happens, but now through webinars or the way that um, a lot of retailers have improved their delivery of groceries, for instance. Um, and I think, as I said, it's an opportunity to demonstrate your trustworthiness. If you if you keep your employees safe and if you keep your quality of the service that you that if you find new ways of servicing your clients you're going to survive in the in the long run but the last thing maybe is just i think the pandemic is teaching us that a lot of the jobs in our economy are seriously undervalued and a lot of jobs are overvalued um teachers teachers sanitation workers security grocery packers these jobs, all of a sudden, we realize we can't do without, but we've grossly undervalued them. While consulting and banking, maybe we're paying people or, or, or valuing that in the economy much more than 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 we should. Hmm. That's a very interesting point. And and, and Scott, I, I, I think yeah, you've you've summed it up uh, very well. Um, I like the idea of a business as an ecosystem, and and I think this what I've picked up as well is. In, in this time and going forward, businesses need to think about outward and inward stakeholders. Um, so, so the one is, you know, obviously your behavior now, your customers will remember in the future, how did you behave? How did you react in this, this situation? How did you react to this moral dilemma that you faced as, an, as a business? Um, how did you behave outwardly, but also inwardly with, within your organization? How did you behave towards your staff? What was your communication? Um, what was your, your your take on supporting your staff during this time, yes. and valuing your staff? Um, so, so I think yeah, that that's quite important. And I think something else that emerged for me um, is just for us, I think globally to think broader from from these lessons about how are we going to prepare for the future. Um, you know, greater threats, for example, climate change. Um, it, it's almost as as, as, as if, um, you know, we, we kind of ignore, in, in to some extent, we ignore some of these dangers. And then when it's 
really upon us, then we react. So I think um, that that's something for everyone to think about. Um, and, and something which is another topic I want to go into at some stage is now related to health, I'm, I may be going off topic, is uh, antibiotics and the uh, increase in resistance to antibiotics. Um, so that's also, it's more in the medical side now, but I think there's lots of interesting things we, we need to start thinking of um, from, from this current experience and the lessons that we've had now. Definitely. I mean, I, 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 maybe this is returning to, to, what I, to what I mentioned earlier, is, um, is ethics isn't changing. The framework's the same. The content is maybe a little different, but I'm hoping that the pandemic that some of the lessons we're learning now or some of the things we're focusing on now are, are habits of focus that we retain even after the pandemic. So mm. what lessons are we learning? From my point of view, I'm hoping, first of all, that through the pandemic, this idea of giving becomes normalized. I'm seeing a lot more people um, um, thinking of being ethical in this time, not just as not harming or humiliating others. You know, Google's motto in the past was always don't be evil. And it seems like mm. our ethics in this time has just has been limited to a negative ethics of don't be evil. Uh, it's also the kind of the, the idea of multiculturalism, the idea of respecting everyone's dignity. The problem is that it that it's really just about not harming without having a, a positive vision of what it means to live a good life. And I think a lot of people think are thinking now um, that it's not enough for me to not just to, to wear a mask. I'm in a position to help others. So I'm hoping that that, that that's one of the things that, that giving becomes normalized. The second thing I hope that we lesson we learn that will help us maybe in future is that that inequality is a moral wrong that needs mm. urgent attention. In the past, and I think this is also maybe religious, we think the poor will always be with us. It's just one of those unfortunate facts. While it needn't be um, a, a fact, and, and we should learn now that it is a danger to us. Inequality is a risk from an epidemiological point of view, from a, from a social point of view, but also from a moral point of view. Mm. Here I'm going to say something contentious that Oscar Wilde said. Oscar Wilde says the chief advantage of socialism is, is that it relieves us of, of the burden of living for other people. Um, it, it, and that sounds terrible, but the, the point I'm trying to make here is that is that um, is that while we don't attend to inequality, we cannot enjoy a flourishing life ourselves. Um, yes. and, and what we learn in the epidemic is that as long as there's inequality, um, a, a lot more of our resources, a lot more of our, our of ourself has to be invested in, in, in minimizing the harm to other people instead of looking at the, at the positives. So, uh, and we know this about climate change as well is that climate change will affect disproportionately. It will affect poor people. So we need to address that now. And finally, I'm hoping that the pandemic will teach us a couple of new virtues. One of them is simplicity, and the other one is harmony with nature. With simplicity of temperance, mm. I just mean I'm learning during the pandemic that I need a lot less than I thought I needed. Um, and, and that's maybe a good thing from an environmental point of view. 
is we 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 believe that that growth and consumption is what drives quality of life and we quickly need to reverse that into into more simplistic ways and 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 ways of living more likely on the earth and that's maybe also the harmony or respect for nature maybe because of maybe because we're locked in our secluded in our own homes but but i've seen the pandemic suddenly making people a lot more attentive to nature around them Cars aren't driving around, so all of a sudden we see these videos of of animals in the middle of cities. We're seeing um, um, that 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 uh, pollution is radically um, reduced, and all of these things, um, mm. I think, awaken in us again the 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 importance. And maybe that's coming back to the idea of the sensitive ecosystem, but the importance of our relationship to 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 nature. So I'm hoping that that's also something that we retain afterwards. We don't need to travel as much as there are other ways of doing what we're doing. Mm. No, that, that's a really excellent point, Skalk. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I've personally also been thinking, you know, during this time about, um, to sound cliche, um, less is more. Um, you've, you've pointed that out in the uh, comments you made. I think definitely we can really look that and also return to returning to simplicity. Um, returning more towards nature, being more in contact with nature. And then something else that I think it's also kind of a theme that pops out at me through all of these um, things that we've discussed is also hopefully if we can get a shift from short-termism, because I think that has been prevalent in many parts of society. We're so short-term driven. Let's move to a longer-term vision um, and, and there again, it's, for example, climate change. What do we need to start doing today? Um, making money today is all good and well, but if, if, we, if we mess up the environment and we don't have a future uh, short-term, comparing it to long-term, long-term is going to win. And we also, obviously, it's a broader a moral thing is also thinking about future, future generations. Um, you know, what, 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 what is the impact of our current um, you know, uh, behavior on future generations, not just on ourselves. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's something that the pandemic also teaches us is, is to, 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 make it, to make it more habitual to think about the interests of others. Now, it's difficult with future generations because it's people that you don't, it, you don't see future generations and they're suffering on the news so that you can think that's mm. my fault. And you don't see the the waste that you're creating when you put out your black bags on a Monday, you don't see that as causing horrible harm to people in future, or you don't see, we just experience, um, um, uh, what's that, um, what were the rolling blackouts, load shedding, and, and we think it doesn't yeah. matter, build those, build those, um, um, generators those coal guzzling generators faster just just save us from load shedding instead of a longer term vision of isn't there a, a, a green alternative that we can build now that we are busy with a, with a rebuild i'm just going to return to one other thing you mentioned in this uh, it's the idea of simplicity and from an economic point of view or economics point of view i'm sure you know or, or where i find that beautifully um outlined is a book by E.F. Schumacher called um, Small is Beautiful, where he goes into the idea of Buddhist economics. And it's uh, well worthwhile to consider alternate ways of thinking about um, economic life. Mm. 
No, awesome. I'm going to check that out. And 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 I want to link back to something else that you raised as well as the the point of inequality. Um, I think it's definitely something that deserves more attention. If we can reduce inequality, everyone can be better off. And um, and there's also been some work around the idea of donut economics, getting those the in um, you know outside the donut in the inner inner hole, getting them back into the donut um, to be part of the broader system. Yes. Um, so that yeah, it's interesting thinking. Scott, um, I think just uh, you've mentioned some some nice resources. Are there any other resources or books that you you might think of recommending, um, which people can look um, if they feel like um, hopefully contemplating ethics and um, all these new new ideas we've mentioned today? Uh, there's 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 too many. I'm I'm, I'm going to mention a, a couple now, and maybe to link to what you've been mentioning about inequality as well. But from a philosophy point of view, or kind of introductions to uh, to ethics, I'd suggest a, a small little book by Simon Blackburn called Being Good. I found that very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, from a business ethics point of view, but this is combining business ethics with philosophy ideas. I'd recommend Molly Painter and Renate in Bosch's book, Business Ethics and Continental Philosophy. And then if you're interested in ideas about uh, uh, about our moral psychology and about a, um, a different kind of economy and a different kind of society, I highly recommend Rutger Bregman's um, Utopia for Realists and Yesterday, um, he brought out his new one, um, Humankind, in which he makes the argument backed up by history and backed up by moral psychology that actually human beings are are, are innately kind. Um, so mm. I, I'd really I'd really recommend that. Maybe also Robert and Edward Skidelsky's book, um, How Much Is Enough. They try and combine um, economics and virtue ethics to say we need we need to live differently we need to look at these things differently so those are some of the some of the things i'd i'd suggest and just to get back to that idea of donut economics and inequality rutger bregman's um, argument almost from a from a self-interested point of view is that poverty and inequality is just too expensive it is less expensive to get people to be part of the economy, uh, the economy, than it is to 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 deal with the outfall, the fallout of um, poverty, and and the idea that's mm-hmm. making a big comeback now, um, although I know it's contentious, is the idea of a universal basic income, um, which mm-hmm. he argues is cheaper than dealing with the problem of poverty and inequality. Mm. No, those are some excellent. Um, excellent suggestions. I need to make uh, space in my bookshelf. I think that the big challenge for me is also is just um, you know getting reading all of this because there's so many wonderful resources out there. Um, Skulk, um, it's really been a great pleasure speaking to you. Um, do you have any other final comments before we close? Uh, no, it was it was a giant pleasure. I think uh, we must speak again in future and maybe talk about the the link between virtue ethics and economics. And what are some mm. of the ethics ideas underlying economics? I'd really enjoy that. But no, I enjoyed it. And from my point of view, I mean, uh, to the listeners and about ethics is is treat this time, this pandemic, treat it as as a an opportunity to rethink what it means to live a good life, and 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 don't return 
don't return after the pandemic or when we try and return to normal, uh, take some of the lessons, especially the ethics lessons um, with you. And that's it from my side. Thank you, Rakwir. Skulk, thanks. Thanks again. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. The big thing is implementing change and changing your behavior and keep thinking about these things. I think um, don't fall into the trap of just going into autopilot, but make time to think about all of these very important things. Um, Skulk, and then, yeah, I look forward to our next discussion. Um, I think that's a great idea looking into virtue, economic, uh, virtue ethics and, and economics. Um, I look forward to it and, and thanks again. Pleasure. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, happy listening.